0: Uh, hello, very good evening. It's just gone six o'clock. You're listening to Indie Live, radio number one for sport. This is the locker room. We're here every of night between six and seven. With me, Michael and Matthew. How's it going, Matthew?
1: Hello, everyone. It's a very well. What well, has been a sunny day um, on the beach and things like that. So it's a it's quite a good Friday into the Grand National weekend. So it's a it's a very good an exciting weekend of sport for all you racing fans and all those who like a little flutter, then this is the weekend to do it.
0: Yes, exactly, exactly. On the Grand National weekend, uh, if if you can't pick a winner, just pick Something pick what like. I pick, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> pick your toes, no. Um, okay, so yeah, welcome back. come back to, you to speak about that. Um, soon on the show. Um, well, I can
1: tell you my pick, but if I was at everybody, I wouldn't pick what I pick, but I can let you know what I think.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, and I, w- I will let you know what I
1: picked <laughs> a horse, yeah,
0: yeah, uh, and it's still running from two years ago. Um, so uh, yeah, let's just dive right in. The because it's been a busy week for sport. First of all, uh, about uh, let's speak about the um, 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 football fans. Maybe be allowed back in at Hamgan for the um, for the Euro games coming up.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I wouldn't say this has been the busiest of football week. So we've been kind of, you know. The, you know, trying to clutch at straws as to what we should talk about this week is the main news. And I think the main news probably is heading towards... The Euro Championships and what UEFA ultimately will decide. Obviously, the at the time of um, recording, we're not entirely sure. You know where UEFA are at in regards mm. to uh, Scotland's application to have the Euro Championships still in Scotland. But there was news about the Scottish Cup and fans this week, which is guaranteed. And we now know, unfortunately, there'll be no fans inside Hampden Park for the Scottish Cup final. Sadly. Um, it has been due for the 22nd of May, and at the moment it still is the 22nd of May, and that will be held, I think that's three weeks before the Euro Championships. Yeah. So at the moment, I kind of thought the Scottish Cup maybe could have been used as a test event, um, but sadly now that's been knocked on the head and there will be no fans. But Scotland, the SFA's plan in, in conjunction with the Scottish Government is, you know, three weeks later, there will be 12,000 fans at least inside the stadium for Scotland's first European Championships match inside Hamden. Um, Europe's governing bodies obviously looking at the preparation work and the assessment that went in uh, last week in regards to Scotland's um, idea of having 25% in the stadium. So I think, unfortunately, there will be no fans in the Scottish Cup, but I think it's still looking good at the moment of of time speaking. Um, It's looking good for UEFA to maybe give Scotland, at least, uh, at the games that have been promised, uh, UEFA look like they're going to allow the twelve thousand fans. I think the only the only um, countries or cities that are struggling in regards to this rule seem to be, you know, Dublin and Ireland. Um, according to the FAI, um, Dublin have said that they can't guarantee any fans. So while Scotland can guarantee twenty five percent of the stadium at least. Ireland are guaranteeing no fans which suggests that Ireland may lose the championships. Um I think there's one or two other countries that can't guarantee fans as well so to be honest I think some cities will be losing their place at Euro euro 2020 so therefore because scotland are at least guaranteeing 25 percent of the crowds i would be amazed at this point if uefa you know took the decision not to have any games in scotland i think scotland because we can guarantee at least twelve thousand fans i would imagine that uefa will allow scotland to at least have the games um that have been promised but I mean at the moment at, at the moment it does look positive for that side of things. But yeah, it's disappointing that the Scottish Cup will have no fans. That's hundred percent guaranteed at the moment.
0: And be- because Mavia I was gonna say about the European Championships. Um, I mean Scotland's got a good record um, because obviously pre-Covid we had, you know, like the Commonwealth Games, that um, that was held get hammed in uh, you know, for the after decades. And uh, more than a few years ago now, um, it was a Champions League final at Hamden Park. So um, hamden has been well known to hold, you know, big sporting events as well.
1: I tell you what, Michael, that European Cup final seems like a, a well, it seems like ages ago because it was. But that was the game. I think Zidane scored an absolute screamer, didn't he?
0: Mhm
1: yeah um and that was well remembered I, I i do think you know the commonwealth games is one thing and i think it did bring a lot of positives to scotland but i think the european Championships is a different level and um, football's obviously a lot larger looms larger on the scottish psyche but mm-hmm. also because scotland haven't qualified for a, a major tournament since St. Tate that makes this European Championships even bigger. And to top it all off, because of all the incidents with COVID, that makes this Championship huge. So, you know, we've all been looking forward to this for a while, ever since Scotland finally qualified in the, on penalties. We've all been looking forward to a home tournament, finally, uh, for Scotland. And I think this is what we've been waiting for. And it's, you know, it's not great. 25%, 12,000 fans. There'll be a lot of Tartan Army members who'll be deeply disappointed about not getting to go to the tournament that they've been waiting for since 1998. Um, that's one of the disappointing things. But, you know, at least football's back, at least fans will get to see it. Um, Like I said, it's a bit strange that there's going to be no test events. With the with the Premier League finishing when it finishes uh, and the Scottish Cup now having no fans, there'll be no test events coming up to this. It'll be straight in there. Um, But you know, the SFA and the Scottish Government obviously know what they're doing. I think vaccine passports and disinfection pods have been um, expected to be used, possibly. Um, that idea has been put out there. I think Hamilton had something um similar with that too, when COVID initially, well, when the lockdown, the first lockdown finished. Mm. So I think that's been muted too. Uh, I think Professor Leach has also mentioned that decisions about face coverings are still to be made. Um, and that will defend, depend on UEFA rules just as much as Scottish regulations. So there's still a lot to be discussed. There's still a lot up in the air. Um, but like I said, it really comes down to the fact that there'll be no test events. The Scottish Cup will have no fans at the final. Um, and like I said, it does at this moment in time, it does look like UEFA will allow 12,000 fans at Hamden for our games to go ahead. Um, So that's a positive thing, but we're just waiting for UEFA, whenever they decide um, to give the final clarification on the Scottish Government's application to them, which I think went in on the 7th of April. I think that was the deadline. Yeah. So, yeah, so you know it has went and they have looked at it Like I said, I think there's other countries and cities who are in more trouble of losing the games in Scotland. Like I said, Dublin, it doesn't look like they can give guarantees on any fans. So I think if there are cities that will lose this tournament, I think it'll be cities like Dublin rather than Glasgow. And
0: um, it's just a pity how um, the, the Scottish Cup won't be played in front of our full house now, and uh, well, not a full house, but you know some fans. But I think the um, over the two years, the Scottish Cup will go down in history as of plague in front of no fans Um, as well. And it's quite a weird uh, time, but I think it's good, it's good, how We've got, you know, sport back up and running uh, as well. And hopefully next season, we'll have fans back at the Cup final and all the games, but it won't be a full capacity of fans. It will just be, you know, uh, I would, I would imagine that you would be lucky if you had twenty thousand get most games.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think you know, I think there will be fans back next year. The the way things are going, is generally fans are coming back in. It's just a matter of how much and when, and I think that does cause an issue for sports that maybe went through the year. You know, especially football, for example, and rugby. You know, for for. For teams like maybe, you know, Hibs, Celtic, Dundee United, places like that, you know, season tickets are having to be thought of. Um, And I know Dundee United have put out their their season ticket list for next year. As far as I know, the prices have been frozen, Um, so you can pay the normal price. But I think there's a credit scheme Dundee United are doing. So hopefully other clubs might follow this in the sense that if you can afford a season ticket without asking for any refund, Dundee United will... Um allow you to, to obviously pay the full price, but there is a credit scheme in place. So if you renew but you can't afford the full price, um they will give you a credit on last season's season ticket. So I I think to be fair, that's the way to go. Uh Hibbs have kind of tentatively mentioned it as a, you know, no, no increases, but they've not mentioned the credit yet. Uh, Celtic uh, Rangers, I don't think, have mentioned anything about season tickets yet. So they're slowly seeping in. um, But Dundee United, I think, is the way to go. I think they've managed this perfectly and they've hit it perfectly. If you can afford a full season ticket with no refund, refund, go ahead and do it. If you can't afford it and you want to renew, you can get a credit. So you're only paying maybe about 150, 160 on your season ticket for next season. So I think that's a fair way to do it. The SRU have also released their details about the Scotland Rugby Pass for next year, which includes the autumn tests and the Six Nations. And they haven't had any price increases either. It's it's basically quite stable. Um, but they made the decision not to have any season tickets last year. So if you had a season ticket last year, all your money was refunded. And they're basically starting from scratch this year. So um you can buy your season pass for Scotland rugby again if you want to. Um, and that's on renewals at the moment and on sale maybe to other customers June, July, uh August time, summer time. So I think I think clubs and in national national bodies are being quite sensible at the moment. I think if you were a season ticket holder and you were given no option of any credit or any refund, I think, to be honest, given the environment we're in, it's not very fair. So I think, you know, so far the season ticket prices that came out for rugby and football have been quite fair and we await the rest of of the scottish premier league and rugby and every other sport who has season tickets we await what they have to say about it but so far you know things are starting to trickle in the right direction in regards to attendances at sport and you know season tickets are being released for for different things as we speak so if you can afford it uh please do support your local club or um national association in the case of the rsu sru because you know we'll be all grateful i think to have sport back to some sort of
0: normality in the next few months and also, before we go on to speak about this weekend's football master, um, it kicks kicks off tonight, actually. Um, but um, news on another sport with fans returning. Um, the World Championships against Sheffield for the snooker begins in a few weeks. And it was announced this week that the fans are coming back um, to this year's tournament. Basically, I will see at the beginning, so that's like the first round um of uh um of the world championships, thirty three percent of the fans um will get back um you, you know, because a handful of fans and then right the way through the tournament they'll they'll scag they'll start up sca so they people back and then um at the final um that finishes on bank holiday Monday, I think it's um then they will have a full house of fans and that'll be a bit weird to see like a full audience of fans watching um sports, but also. I heard this week that um, they will be no, um, they will be required to um, wear face coverings. So, you know, I've I think face coverings will be about for a wee while yet. So, your know, uh, if people goes to see the snooker, they will be asked to still wear face coverings. But I thought this was a bit weird as well that they they won't be in the social distancing involved in... in uh and and the closer for the snooker so i thought that was a bit weird but overall it's a uh, good uh results for the uh, snooker fans but also sports fans overall to see fans coming back to to some sports you know um compared That's to last year um cuz um, you, you know like the snookers on for two weeks and usually you see full so houses at all the all the kind of like snooker sessions, but all um they they only allowed fans in at the semi-finals last year and the finals because that was meant to be one of the testing events last year. Um, but um obviously um as COVID hopefully begins to semi go away a wee bit, they're allowing fans back in and. Good to see.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I think places like snooker, I think are going quite fair as well. I mean, the main thing for me at this point now, things are starting to come on scene in snooker, obviously, and the Euro Championships are the big ones. I think horse racing is another, um, another sport where fans are going to start being able to come in from about June time. I know. I bought my tickets, would you believe, for the Air Gold Cup in September and um, from Air Racecourse um, a few days ago. So and I, I think the Grand National's coming up, you can buy tickets for next year. So things are starting to trickle in. I think at this point now for fans, I think it's just to make sure fans aren't disadvantaged financially by the fact that they couldn't go to sport last year or you know, season tickets haven't, you know, things like that. I think fans should not be forced to pay. I think there should be some sort of you know common ground. I think with snooker, you know, horse racing, things like that, a lot of their tickets were voided. So you got the money back and then you could put it in afterwards. But, you know, sports where you they've had your money already and we're looking back on maybe last season and onto this season I think there has to be some sort of fair compromise as to how fans are compensated because you know fans like sporting organizations have suffered from COVID um, and I think there has to be a fair compromise on this because you know as and I focus on football mainly because football put out the season tickets on the fact that you know we would be back December January time uh, I think it's fair that they compensate because, you know, I'll use Hibs as an example, say, you know, hospitality season tickets for Hibs cost £1,250. So far for the whole year, we've had the square root of a dodgy TV feed that's maybe worth about £150, £200 over the year. I think fans have to be compensated in this regard because you know while you know while fan clubs will say we need the money and we've spent the money and things like that that I understand, but fans also can't be seen to be you know taking the mick out of basically, and I think you know like Dundee United have done with the credit I think the credit for season tickets is the right way to go, and I hope some fans or some clubs follow suit the way Dundee United have because it's a very very good and fair scheme that they put in place.
0: Let's move on now to speak about the football. Um, tonight, of course, it's Flag night. So um, Friday night football. Friday night football. Well done, boom boom. <laughs> uh, Matthew's available for pantomimes and everything <laughs> uh, else. Um, yeah, to <laughs> What? What other things? <laughs> yeah. Look, look out! It's behind you. Um. <laughs> um yeah, Friday night. football. The the championship. Uh, Hearts against Aloha. Hearts is in quite a bad way at the moment actually uh, the last few games they've got beat Uh, Hearts are in a
1: bad way but they're on the brink of winning the league
0: yeah 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 I know yeah they're still forecasting but they're still happy work that one out as you can Um, God forbid
1: if they were actually having a poor season
0: yeah they might be happy Um, those jambos yeah yeah um, the Premiership tomorrow would be good. Running through the games then: Matthew Celtic, uh, Levinskin, Hamilton, Dundee, and I can Ross County, Marwell, Aberdeen. Um, sorry, sorry, no, say that again. Kamal Ross County, Marwell, Saint Mother, Saint Johnson is against Aberdeen. Uh, in the first division, we've got Air United against Conferman, we've got Dundee against Morton, Queen of the South against Inverness. and I don't know why I'm doing a funny accent now. Uh, Ray against Abrov. Uh, Is that sorry. your Fife accent there? No? Yeah, <laughs> give me give me Ken that. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, folks, if you're listening from Fife, yeah. Um <laughs> okay, let's I'll, I'll, start with the Euro one of the week that, that we speak about Celtic and um well yeah can
1: I yeah can I start with Hearts just because I'm gonna like I'll get told off if I don't talk about Hearts quickly because tonight's quite a big game and the only reason I say that just to start off because you mentioned it. So I thought I'll continue where you <laughs> left off. <laughs> uh and to butt in before you you know get all our five listeners never listening never again. Yeah, yeah. About yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. is it Baffy's and Kunters. Was it Baffies or ba- Baffies. Slippers? I, I'm i trying to remember my days in Fife. I think Baffies are Slippers and the counter, is that no on in the kitchen? I don't know.
0: I think wait, what they say in Scotland is you're on your own there, son. <laughs> I don't well, know I was, what you're talking about.
1: I, I was born across the water in uh, Edinburgh, so um, go figure. Um, Anyway. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, so anyway,
0: back to the real business. Um, yeah. yeah, so, so talk about Edinburgh. <laughs> yeah, so um, last week we were talking about Ed, Eddie Howe, who it was Hogan Talks. Yet again, there's been no mention about if he's getting the job or you know whatever. Uh, but there was news last week on Monday, I think it came out that Don Mackay is joining Celtic at the end of April. And and I mean I guess say to you in I think you said to me, and be, we both said to each other uh, on the show about um, uh, we get no be a better idea if Don Mackay comes the now. Basically, you know, so he's coming, but Celtic still no get the manager. So over to you, Matthew. What's happening?
1: Oh, I mean, what what's that saying? And I don't want to offend everyone, but like Celtic couldn't organise none shit and noneery. Um, I think it's one of the sayings that you might use. Um. I mean, obviously. I mean, honestly, I think the big news this week was Dominic MacKay. I think we can we can definitely um say that. You know, I think like you said, I think we were a bit concerned um about the Celtics' direction because obviously they were making all these changes, but Peter Lawwell was still in charge of those changes, even though he was leaving on the first of July, and the incoming chief executive was still at the SRU. So we thought, who's actually? It's like a rudderless ship in some regards, you know, Celtic are making all these changes and the main person, which is the chief executive, isn't there to oversee them. I'm so, so
0: happy you said ship.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, well, that the word that you're thinking of that's close to that probably could also be associated with Celtic this season. Um, I, th- I think P- Dominic Mackay coming in was massive. You know, I think, with obviously, with Neil Lennon leaving, with Eddie Howe, like you say, being favourite for the job, I think it was important that Dominic McKay was in there just to oversee this process um, and start the ball rolling on Celtic's uh, next season, especially because I can't remember the dates now. We did a name check on it last week, but there was only just over 100 days to the Champions League qualifier, wasn't there? And Celtic didn't have a chief executive. They still don't have a manager. They still don't have a director of football. So... Go figure. Um, but Dominic Mackay is coming this week. He really has overseen... I mean, like I said, I'll, I'll quickly go over what he's done with SRU because I think it's very important. You know, he's overseen commercial activities for Edinburgh and Glasgow. Um, he's managed to oversee the commercial development of the Pro 14. Um, and ultimately, you know, he's managed to oversee the whole commercial development of Scotland. You know, only this week we saw BT renewing the BT Murrayfield for, for multi-millions of pounds. Peter Vardy came in as a, a sponsor for the SRU as well. It just shows you how Dominic McKay has managed to bring in sponsorship deals like BT into the SRU and try and make them a very viable commercial operation. And I think that's what Celtic are looking for in regards to this. He's been very successful, but not only on the commercial front, he's been very commercial um, good on the fan front as well, fan engagement. For example, we talked about the Scotland pass only a few minutes ago. He's, he started the process where, you know, Scotland fans who will go every, every game can buy a Scotland pass where you have a little bit of a discount to get in, but you can book your own seat for the whole entire campaign rather than moving around. I think previously the only way you could get tickets was through clubs, which is fine, but it tends to mean you move around. So the you have changed that dynamic and the fans now have a better deal in regards to the season pass. Uh, so that's quite good He also engages With the fans On a supporter level uh, Both Glasgow And Edinburgh Have new stadiums That have been widely um commended by their supporters and they've been built in conjunction with the supporters um Edinburgh in particular have been playing at, at Murrayfield um where you know maybe a few hundred fans go to the games but there's a capacity for 67000 so Dominic McKay's been instrumental in making sure Edinburgh have a new stadium that's a bit more uh, conducive to having fans in there and noise atmosphere um and things like that. So Edinburgh ha- will move into a new stadium this year. And a lot of that has been under Dominic Mackay's watch. So he has got a very good track record. Um sadly for the SRU, he is leaving. But the good news for Celtic is he is starting soon and he will oversee um Celtic's recruitment process, which moving on into that realm of things seems a bit of a mess. Um, you know, Eddie Howe last week was the favorite by a long shot. It looked like it was a matter of time before he was appointed. In fact, you know, we were we were due to have a different sort of show last week, but because of the noise coming out of Celtic Park, we changed the show format just to talk about Eddie Howe and his appointment. But then, as per usual, you know, Celtic do what Celtic do best. It's now not clear. What he wants to do It's not clear How close Celtic Were to appointing them And it's not clear Whether Eddie Howe Even wants the job Because he seems I mean On the surface of this It seems to be That he seems to be Waiting for a Premier League job Will Newcastle job come up Will Crystal Palace's job come up If these jobs come up Before the summer Will Eddie Howe Take that over the Celtic job That would be my main concern At this point for Celtic Because It doesn't look like He wants to commit Until The summer is here and that just suggests to me he's not as keen on Celtic as maybe a Celtic manager should be.
0: Do, do you think it's in our case of uh, Brendan Rogers? Because we, we all know what happened to Brendan Rodgers. Uh, obviously, everybody knew that he was going at the end of the season, but he, he walked out halfway through the season just because he wanted to get back to the premiership and just because maybe he would get, he would get got more money down there. I mean I think the I
1: think you brought up a decent comparison with Brendan Rogers. I think this is I mean it's not exactly the same, but it's very similar. I mean the comments from Howe and Howe's agents are quite interesting because, you know, they could be interpreted in many ways, you know, it, it could be interpreted that he's quite Keen on the Celtic job And he want, he would sign a contract And there's already noises About who he wants to bring in As his backroom staff There's already noises About the players That he would want to bring in But on the other hand You know, it seems to be that the noises are also that on the other side that he he could be keeping his options open. You know, how by talking to Celtic is strengthening his hand in any negotiations that he might have with other clubs who now know that Celtic are interested and now know that Celtic are after him. So, yeah, on the one hand, he's, he's making the positive noises, but on the other hand, he knows now that any Premier League suitors in England who can offer money like Brendan Rodgers was interested in, that can offer European football, European level funding that Brendan Rodgers was interested in, they can come in and give how that sort of job, that sort of hand to play with. And how I think would be by the noises now I think would take the Celtic job if nothing else comes up. But I would suggest he would do a Rodgers if um, a Newcastle came in or a Crystal Palace came in. I think you'd find he'd be at Tyneside or... In the south of London, quicker than you could offer him the job. To be honest,
0: well, well, look at it this way, right? See if Celtic was in, uh, if Celtic was in the Premiership, He would have been there by now.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. If if you, I mean, this is why I was kind of talking about, you know, when Celtic want appointing somebody, I thought the noises coming out of that would be Celtic might be up waiting to offer somebody who's already in a job. Or somebody who's going to the Euros But the fact that they've went for Howe And like you said, they've not got him now Suggests that something else is afoot now Another rumour coming out of Celtic Park Is that you know Celtic are now haggling With Howe over the, his backroom team again mm-hmm. And this is just I mean, if Celtic are doing that again And are trying to get jobs for the boys In a backroom team with a new manager coming in I could see why Howe wouldn't be interested in it anymore If they're still looking at Strachan If they're still looking at Kennedy part of the puzzle that has failed Celtic so miserably this year, then to be honest, I think if you're a Celtic fan, you would give up because why bring in someone of the calibre of how and who has managed to be so successful in the club, uh, in particular Bournemouth, why would you then tinker with his backroom team that's been so successful? Why would you leave people like Kennedy in there? Why would you leave people like Strachan in there who have been part of that failing team this year? I don't quite understand it so in some ways yeah there is that thing about well, how go to a Premier League team or Celtic but there is that noise still coming at Celtic park that they want to cling to jobs for the boys and that's the mentality as to why if that continues Celtic will again fail behind Rangers because Rangers let's uh, Gerard have the open hand. They let him create an environment that was very professional, that was that was successful, that knew how to get the best out of players. This thing at Celtic is on. It's verging on the old board. It's verging on that. You know, it's
0: a bit like Greenhall day in a way.
1: Yeah, I mean, I thought when Fergus McCann came in, that whole thing where the Kellys was gone, yeah. and Celtic now were a professional outfit. It mm. seemed to happen with McCann. It seems to have reverted back to that sort of. You know, I'll pick the manager. Um, come in but i'll also pick your backroom team i'll also pick the players you're going to bring in blah 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 that is not how you run a successful european outfit that is how you create an environment like celtic in the 90s where they were struggling to compete on any front and players wanted to leave in their droves and ultimately led to near bankruptcy and um, this is just i mean these noises that are coming out are very concerning for celtic and if i was a celtic fan i would be wanting question uh, answers from the board and Dermot Desmond immediately because it's just not acceptable for a club on Celtic Stature to be going back to, you know, the biscuit tin mentality.
0: OK, we we shall see. And then Celtic uh, has got a game against Levinskin, uh tomorrow at Park again. and um, it's hard to believe that Celtic's not beat... Uh, they, they've only beat Levenskan once this season, I think it was, uh, the first game of the season, so um, you know Celtic's got a job in the hands as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, Celtic is a mess this year. I mean, the, the Scottish Cup draw I think has ultimately probably ended their season. A trip to Ibrox in the next round. Uh, it's going to be a very difficult task, and I can see you know Celtic season ending in a couple of weeks' time when they play, or is it next week when they play Rangers Absolutely. at Ibrox. Um, I can see that being the end of the season. You know the the form that Celtic been have been in haven't been great. You know if you look at the last five games, well the last two they've drawn. Um, they've only won two of the last five. There's been a defeat in there as well. Livingston is not much better, but they're a similar sort of thing. I mean, I could see Livingston going to Celtic Park and getting the result, but you just don't know with Celtic. I mean, mm-hmm. if Celtic... I, I think I've been saying this all year to you. If Celtic turn up, Celtic will win this game comfortably. But you just do not know what Celtic side is going to appear. Um, And to be honest, it would be guesswork to try because... I don't think the players are interested. I think a lot of them have down tools a little bit. Um, I think many of them are already, like they were in August, I think some of them are looking at the exit doors. Um, the only thing I would say for Celtic players are, you know, if you want to stay and you want to impress the new manager... These are the games that you've got to perform in to have any chance of staying next season. But also if you're an Edward, if you're a Christie, if you're players that want to leave, these are the games that put you in the shop window for the summer market along with the Euro Championships. So you'd hope that Celtic players would have enough to come out and put in a performance for themselves, first and foremost. But ultimately the club and the fans that have been paying their wages, um, I think they're due and owe the fans of performance um, and you're hoping you get that tomorrow but the form has been very up and down for Livingston it's not been the best for Celtic it'll be an interesting game at Celtic Park and it's very hard to call
0: Yeah because a couple of weeks ago Livingston was on a good of form and you could say that the wheels that came off the bus or, or you know, whatever. And also they, they got to a cup final as well. Okay, they get beat, but that, that was a big achievement from, from maybe, you would say, a small club and uh, outside of though from getting to a cup final. And, you know, or, and also I think I put Lemonskin on the map because I don't know about you, but... Um, every TV channel you, you put on Matthew, it was David Martindale on um, speaking about Livingston speaking about his, um, his own experience as well because don't forget that football clung is life around a, a wee bit for the better uh, it, as well.
1: Yeah. yeah, I mean we all know Livingston is on the map because you go through it to get to Edinburgh and Glasgow and then mate but you know you don't really think about it as a footballing town very much still Um. But I think getting to that cup final, like you say, definitely put Livingston the players and the management team on the map. It showed what they can. a club like Livingston can do as well. I mean, St. Johnson too. I mean, St. Johnson ultimately won it. Um, clubs like that are at a certain level, um, and it's very hard to get by it. We're talking about Hibs and Aberdeen having a glass ceiling. St. Johnson, I think, and Livingston maybe went through that glass season this season, finishing in the top six. Brilliant. Mm-hmm. Getting to the cup final. Absolutely brilliant. You couldn't have written it any better, I think, for Livingston and St. Johnson this year. Um, I think it's sad. Obviously, fans couldn't get in to see these teams this year because they have been going so well. Um, but yeah, Livingston, I think, and St. Johnson, when they look back on this campaign, no matter what happens between now and the end of the season, I think both Livingston and St. Johnson will look back on it as being positive. Um, Livingston haven't been like you say on the best of form since they reached the cup final ironically enough but you know a trip to Celtic Park they did okay at Celtic Park last time Um, they played okay against Celtic this season generally you know picking up results so like you said was it Celtic only beaten them once did you say this season yeah I um, think I- at home it was, so, and Livingston yeah. could have equalised with a last minute chance, wasn't it? Like, mm-hmm. Livingston came back, and I'm sure, was it Barcast made his only save of the year, possibly? I, 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 there was a header in the last minute that maybe just went wide, but it was close. Like, Livingston could have easily even equalised in, in that game at Celtic Park that Celtic won. So they're very close encounters. And because of that, I think it's probably one of the games I'm looking forward to the most this weekend because it's very, very hard to call.
0: Let's look at the other game very quickly then. Um, talking about the, I think there's a the big game at Rugby Park, Camarock and Ross County. Kamarok, uh won last week, but they're still in a bit of boiler in the league and the upper game against Ross County.
1: Well, do you know, the relegation fight has been the most interesting part of this season by Miles because every week... The dynamic changes and just when you think that some that a club is finished, like Kamarnak is a prime example, I think we all thought that Kamarnak are conceding goals, they're not scoring goals, where are these wins going to come from? And just when you say it, you know, last week to pick up the win, that was huge in the relegation zone battle because it, it got them off the bottom um, and it got them within a point of Ross County who are sitting just above the playoff position, so... Kilmarnock, uh, Ross County. This game is a six-pointer more than mm. any other game you can imagine, and I think to be honest, it's a must-win for either one of these sides. I don't think a draw is enough. Um, I think if they're looking to clear away from from this position, then you know one of these sides, if they win, will have a. a pretty large gap if Ross County win for example they'll be four points off Kilmarnock. i think that will be too much for them to catch up given the performances we've had this year but if Kilmarnock can win you know they'll be two points ahead of Ross County um going into the last series of games so it's a huge huge game uh Ross County again they've, they don't draw too many Ross County under under Yogi you know they either win or lose uh, they've, they've won two of the last five They tend to win, lose, win, lose, win, lose I think the last two they have lost though Um, So it's not the greatest Um, To go into this game Having lost the last couple of games Whereas Kamarnock, you know, were on a bit of a Stinker of a form But they did win their last game And like I said, that did put Hamilton squarely Bottom of the table, so I think this game, while I'm not going to predict it, because I'm not entirely sure how this would go, I would guess Ross County might have an edge because I think Yogi Hughes has been in there a bit longer, seems to have stabilised it a bit more. Um, They might have the upper edge slightly on this encounter. But, you know, whoever wins this game will have the prime example, um, prime, prime... um, advantage going into the last few games of the season, it's huge. I can't over under uh, overestimate this enough. It, this is a six pointer. Make no mistakes, and it's the game of the weekend.
0: Uh, yeah, well, I, I don't, I don't know about that. Yeah, m- maybe at the bottom of the table, but <laughs> I would say maybe St. Jordan and Aberdeen that looks a an interesting game as well. Um, you know, like Aberdeen, okay, Aberdeen was disappointed last week against Dumbarton. The man's has squeezed through that one now. But you know, everybody's fighting for the new manager coming in. I Scott Brown that season. Um and St. Johnson. Well, they're just they're just gonna go run a forum at the minute.
1: Well, Aberdeen's in a funny situation, obviously, like you say, you know, there's a new manager in there. Um that's, that's they're maybe hoping we'll have changed things around. I think the Aberdeen squad generally are are quite excited about the prospect of Stephen Glass coming in, coming in, um and also trying to lift the standards because Aberdeen, they have the core of a really good squad. They've underperformed this year, but they're still fourth in the league. They're still, you know, fighting. Um, they're still in the fight, really, for third position, just about. They're hanging in there. But they've had a really awful run of form, and they're still fourth in the league, which kind of shows you where they're at as a squad. That um, They are, they have got the core of it. That, um, and Stephen Glass will will come in and hopefully lift the standards of that. It's strange because Stephen Glass has flown into the country, but currently he's in quarantine.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, That's a bit we have to... <laughs>
1: Yeah, so he's there, but he's not there. So he can't take charge, I think, until the Scottish Cup. I think they've got Livingston having the next round. Um, so I, th- I think that he can't come in till then. So this game is kind of one of those ones where you don't know whether you're coming or going. But you think, you know, because Stephen Glass is here, he will be watching the game, I imagine. I think the players have a lot to prove. And because of that, you might find that there's a bit of an uplift Um to to try and get into Stephen Glass's plans for next year. I think as well, interim boss uh, Paul Sheeran, you know, he's been given assurances that he will still have a role to play once glass has taken over. So the interim manager um was the reserve team coach under Derek McInnes. He's now um the interim boss, but um he now will still have a part to play next year under Stephen Glass. So that's positive for him. Everybody will be, you know basically trying to keep their jobs for next year. And obviously with Scott Brown coming in, Scott Brown will be taking an interest in the games as well. So Aberdeen will hopefully lift their standards and have a good push uh, against uh, St. Johnson said, you know, St. Johnson, they're at home. Uh, they also have a bit to prove. They really need to win if they want to get a top five place. Then really, they need to be trying to pick up the win against Aberdeen this weekend. They'll be looking at it as an Aberdeen are still a little bit in disarray, obviously because the new manager's not in. So they'll be thinking they've got a chance to pick off Aberdeen in this game. Uh, they've won the last two games. They've not lost in the last four. They're on really good form, unlike Aberdeen. So yeah, I mean, it's a it's a good it's a good encounter to watch. I think with some of the tops, well two of the top six teams in the country at the moment. I could see St. Johnson maybe having a bit too much for Aberdeen in this game and picking up the win, which puts a bit of pressure on Livingston, who are only four points ahead of them in fifth place. So it, it'll be an interesting game, I think, at St. Johnson. The only reason I would pick Kilmarnock-Ross County is a better game is because there's a lot more riding on it, I think, at the foot mm. of the table then we'll have a bit more quality. But mm. I think a Camarnock-Ross County will have definitely a lot more fight about it.
0: OK, before we speak about the um, uh, <coughs> Rangers and Hibs on the Sunday, um, speak about the two uh, two other games on, Marwell against St. Midland and um, Hamilton against Dundee and Ike. I must say, ha- uh, Dundee and is a bit of... um. You know, um, blowing hot and cold this season, mostly cold rather than hot this season. <laughs> uh, ha- Hamilton's on a good run of form, and you wouldn't be surprised if they beat Dundee United. Uh, the other game as well, Marwell against St. Um I'm not, a, I'm not a betting man, but I would, I would bet St. to beat Marwell because Marwell's on on quite a bad bad run of form as well.
1: Well, I mean Motherwell and St. Mirren, um it has the it has the sort of look of a end-of-season game about it, doesn't it? I mean, St. Mirren can't really obviously do anything. They're they're in seventh place. There's not a lot of a lot for them where to go really in regards to that. They can go down slightly, but I don't think it makes much difference. as well, they're they're kind of about the relegation zone, but they're not They've got maybe too much points, obviously, to be sucked into it. Mother Wolf won two of the last um, five games. Incidentally, they drew the other one, so they've only lost two in the last five. Saint Mirren have actually I've lost one in the last five, but they've only won one. So to me, this has a look of a draw over it, possibly. Uh, with Motherwell St. Mirren, um, end of season board draw is possibly on the cards at Far Park. The other game's a bit more interesting just because, you know, Dungeon United are like you say, you know, Dungeon United obviously came up last year. They had problems with. Um, you know they're, they're, they're playing staff at the start of the season they lost their star striker, striker. Uh, they had a new manager coming in uh, with Presley going to hearts so even though they've been promoted they, they had that bit of up people so to finish to be in the eighth place at the moment I think is quite good for Dundee United I think they'll be quite happy ultimately with that finish uh, but Hamilton on the other hand are you know Hamilton are playing at home they need to win they've only they've not won in the last five they've they've lost two of the last five. Hamilton need to pick up a win to have any chance of staying up this year. And to be honest, playing at home against Dundee United like you said to a bone hot and cold this year. Hamilton need to win this one. Um the relegation the relegation zone is the one to watch this weekend because I could see I could see maybe Ross County Kilmarnock, one of them has to drop points. Uh, Hamilton, Dungeon United, Hamilton could win. It's going to be a very interesting weekend down at the bottom. And I think all eyes, to, I know you said um, St Johnson Aberdeen's the game to watch. I think quality wise, like I said, uh, you're right. Um, but we'll, all eyes will be on Hamilton and Rugby Park this weekend, I think, to see where the relegation battle takes
0: us. Okay, um, speak about Sunday now, Matthew. An interesting game. Ibrox, um, Hibs against Rangers. And am I am I right in saying that Hibbs has visited uh, Ibrox more times this season than they've p- played each East Because G- East G- this will be the third time that they've played each other, and the third time they've visited K- Ibrox. Am I right in saying that?
1: Oh. I mean, I don't. I mean, I don't think Hibbs will be too disappointed with that. Um, I mean, Hibs away form hasn't been too bad um, They've had a pretty good season I think, uh, you know, Rangers Have been a difficult team to beat But like you mentioned, you know, every time Hibs have went to Ibrox this year Hibs have put up a decent performance mm. And to be honest, you know, Rangers Haven't obviously lost, but I think Hibs Have probably came the closest to beating Rangers this year And therefore, I think the game Ibrox Even though there's not, not a lot going on it As such I think Hibs will be you know, rubbing their hands together, thinking you know, this is a chance to possibly upset the, upset the apple cart a little bit and, and get a win at Ibrox because, like I said, Hibs have been close. Um, but there is other news coming up of Ibrox. I think that's more important than football. I think it kind of puts football into a bit of perspective. And it was that Rangers mm-hmm. announced um, that players and staff will boycott social media for a week due to concerns about how the social media platforms have dealt with racism. Uh, you know, Rangers have said that there's a lack of accountability and a lack of responsibility from social media, for example, like Facebook and Twitter and Glenn Kamara and now Al- Morelos and Ruth have all been targeted with racist abuse online, sadly, um, this year. So the boycott began yesterday at seven o'clock and we'll go on. For a week. So, you know, Rangers obviously have been involved in a lot of um, racist, sadly racist incidents over the last few weeks. You know, you had Kamara um, and was it Kudela from Prague, Uh, that incident from the Europa League last 16. I think Rangers, because of that, have decided to take on that because the social media has been getting on. um, Racism abuse has been getting on there as well on top of the incident on the game. So I think Rangers are hoping that being clear and taking direct action against the social media platforms will show that they mean business and will hopefully get them to push... Uh, their security in regards to racist abuse. But I think also, you know, Rangers are hoping that UEFA will do something in regards to the racist incident by, from Kamara or by Kamara on the pitch. So I think Kamara and Rangers are hoping that UEFA will um, will clamp down on Slavia Prague once and for all and show that, you know, racism will not be tolerated either on the pitch or off the pitch. So I think Rangers have done done a really good thing here. um, And I just hope that it's enough to try and stamp out racism once and for all um, So but That was one piece of news Like I said, the most important news The other piece of news actually was quite interesting Was Alfredo Morelos came out during the week And said that his relationship with Stephen Gerrard Has been difficult um, mm-hmm. But they've now fixed it And they have a nice relationship So I think, you know, maybe uh, Valentine's Day and that whole romantic thing Has been yeah for yeah. yeah You know, if I had yeah. a picture of Morelos and Gerrard And a nice love heart around it Maybe, um. Maybe we could have done that on screen graphics but uh, yeah I mean I'm not surprised and it ties in because Morelos didn't have the greatest of starts this year Um, he looked a bit sluggish he didn't look interested in but I think there was rumours that he was unfit and things like that you could see that the relationship was strained uh, but over recent weeks especially in Europe Morelos has turned out to be probably one of the best players of, of the end of this season the second half of this season and you can see that Morelos I think is looking a lot more happier with his relationship at the club and with Gerard and um, you know Know fair play to them. I think uh, I don't know whether it's because of the relationship or whether he knows that there's a transfer window coming up in the summer, but whatever's happened, Morales is looking a lot more happier. Um, and he look he will be the big danger man for Hibs this weekend. Um, if you stop him, then you probably you might have a chance stopping Rangers,
0: and then it's up to Hibs to do something up the other end of the pitch. And more good news for Rangers last week because they came out and say Gary Mug, and a deal, but uh, this week it came out that uh, James. Uh, James Tavernier has seen a new two year deal with Rangers that keeps them until the summer, uh, at, that keeps them at Iwalks, uh to 2024. So that's more good news for the Rangers fans this week. Incidentally, Matthew, you, you were saying about uh, Rangers coming off a social media. We should say that Swansea. Uh, and uh, Swansea in the Championship in England, cars came off social media for a week as well. So they, they actually starked this kind of movement and they, they put the hashtag on Twitter, enough is enough. And to be honest, that, that kind of says it all uh, about racism and, and sport.
1: I mean, the one thing I would also add to this though is that, I mean, Rangers are doing quite good here but I think they have to push it on now and make sure that not only is is racism not tolerated but I think they have to push on now and say, you know sectarianism will will not be tolerated as well because, you know, in Scotland, you know yeah racism is a problem and and we don't want it but i think in the west of scotland in particular racism is not the ultimate problem it's tied in with sectarianism so racism and sectarianism go hand in hand um and i think rangers celtic too but rangers they've done well with the racism thing it's just a matter now pushing that onto the sectarianism agenda and uh, doing the exact same thing coming off social media if there's any sectarianism on their social media channels um But also, just quickly as well, before we move on, because I know we're running out of time, uh, Hibs as well had some positive-ish news. Uh, The AGM was last week at Easter Road, uh, and I had the privilege of seeing the Zoom link for it. So uh, it was quite positive. I mean, on one hand, Ron Gordon did say that Hibs may lose some prized assets. So players like Doig might be going. Um, Obviously, um, there's a few other players that, that Hibs are possibly looking at leaving leaving the club sadly, like Nisbet and Portis. Um now Portis and Nisbet were rumored to be leaving possibly in January. But the good thing was I think Hibs are under no illusions. These players like Nisbet and Portis will leave. But the good the positive thing is that Hibs have said they will only leave under um On Hibs' terms. So while Hibs in the olden days or previously would have just sold clubs when, uh, sold players when clubs came in at any money, now Hibs are in such a financial position that, you know, if Birmingham City come in for Nisbet, for example, or someone comes in for Portis, they don't have to sell unless it's the right price for the club. So I think the days of Hibs being treated as like a feeder club for everybody and getting good prices is over. I think Ron Gordon is finally coming in and saying, yes, we are a, a selling club here. Yes, we know that Hibs aren't the biggest club in Scotland. and We know that we will lose our star assets, but they will not be leaving on cheap anymore. So, you know, you will expect maybe Nisbet and Portis to leave in the summer, but Hibs will be getting a good price for them. And that will give Hibs the chance to put money back into the playing squad and possibly increase um, their, well, increase that glass ceiling. We were talking about, you know, third maybe is Hibbs' glass ceiling, but Ron Gordon is talking about, you know, if you can get the money, if you can reinvest into the playing staff, if you can do that, Hibbs, there's a chance Hibbs could split the Celtic and Rangers monopoly um and that's what hibs are gearing for and it's very positive we also talk about the fans experience at easter road you know big screens going in so you know you can see replays of the goals that hibs let in um on the big screen if you you want to so that i think the whole thing is becoming very americanized which isn't a bad thing completely so the fans experience at easter road will be better the product on the on the uh, pitch will be better and I think if you're a Hibs fan you have to be very very excited because his ideas of where um, he wants to take Hibs is not just you know being the best of the rest he wants to be in that best bracket and um, they have very big grand plans at Easter Road and uh, it's, it's looking very good.
0: Yes it's <clears throat> good You see before we uh, move on to speak about Matthew's favourite in this year's Grand National, we're all desperate to hear who, who the horse is not going to win this year. <laughs> um, just a bit of news uh, on the women's rugby. Uh, Scotland get beat last week over England, against Sagra in the Six Nations and Molly Wright um, has been given a free game ban, so that means she'll miss the uh, r- the rest of the Six Nations. She was banned against uh, England, and uh, Scotland is not get a game this weekend, believe it or not. Um, but on Pool A, we've got Italy against uh, um Italy against England, and Pool B we have got Wales against Ireland as well. On the basketball peep um, sorry BBL um, Scott Scottish Rots. Uh Scottish Rots. Scottish Rocks get beat twice last week. So it wasn't as So just, you were
1: right, Scottish Rots. Uh, yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I um they they get beat twice last week. They're playing this weekend at home against the phoenix on sunday for for that game so there you go that's a bit of news on basketball and uh women's uh uh, six nations right Matthew just quickly as well
1: I I forgot to talk about hearts as well it was just to say and I know we're running out of time so I won't have as much to say as I thought I would but you know hearts tonight um big game aloha they're within two victories of the Scottish Championship title, promotion uh, and promotion. So even though they've only won two wins in their last nine games and there's been protests and things like that, I suppose the positive thing for Hearts tonight is if Hearts win, there'll be only one win off the Championship. So, um, you know, fingers crossed, I think that Hearts regain their place in the top division as quickly as possible. So um,
0: let's hope. Now, I don't know about you, if you're listening to the show, but I'm loving how is keeping up. With the show this week Yeah Matthew
1: I forgot to say I, I know I started that By saying I'll talk about hearts
0: And then another So <laughs> Yeah Probably, <laughs> probably. So um, Yeah it's a, it's a Grand National Last weekend Matthew But i went to hear Who you um, You've put on a bet um, For the Grand National Last week But there's only 68 King uh, 68 riders this year um for the grand national with a maximum of 40 allowed to run on the day and this has been the lowest rate um of runners uh, in grand national history so there you go your horse might be go down in history matt matthew is the one but my horse has been horsed yeah, yeah. <laughs> at the Hors- <laughs> horseshoe Band Grasco. Anyway, uh, there's more pubs available. Um, so yeah, the Grand National tomorrow, Matthew uh, at Yeah, I mean, I mean,
1: obviously for for horse. Uh- Racing fans, but also for for those who like a flutter. This is obviously one of the along with Cheltenham is probably the biggest weekend in In um and sports in the sports year really. Um, the Grand National takes place obviously on Saturday, at quarter past five. If anybody what to watches it, I think it's on ITV and I think it's on BBC Radio Five Live. Um, so we'll be watching with interest. Uh, I've already put my bet on along with my daughters, even though like they're obviously too young to bet. We all chose our horses. So we're all ready to go for tomorrow. Um, I mean, just quickly, I think there's maybe. I mean, cloth cap at the moment. Cloth cap is a worldly favourite. He is probably not worth a bet at the moment. He's quite a far out favourite. So if you're a betting person, cloth cap, even though he is a worldly favourite to win it, the odds are not that great. So maybe, maybe I wouldn't bother putting a bet on that one. People like Burrows Saint uh, and Discorma, uh, They. Burrow Saint is probably my one of my favourites. Really, he, his odds are, you know, at the moment I think there was odds at eight to one, nine to one. You were looking at on Paddy Power, um. So he's maybe the second favourite overall for the event, but his odds are quite good. So you're looking at maybe Burroughs Saint. You're also looking at Potter's Corner. He's the other one I put a bet on Potter's Corner. Currently, he's twenty to one. So, uh, let's. So, Burrows Corner, twenty to one. I'm just checking on Paddy Power as we speak. At the moment, yeah, he's twenty to one. Um, I mean, national nationals are are Pat Potter's Corner's game. Uh, my kids chose Potter's Corner because they like Harry Potter. <laughs> so let's say that quickly. So yeah, so so they chose Potter's Corner first, and then I looked into it to see, and it turned out it was a good bet, even though it's nothing to do with Harry Potter. Um, because Potter's Corner won the Midlands National. He's won the Welsh National, and he's even won the virtual Grand National last year, which was a computer animated race. So they had a computer animated race in two thousand and twenty.
0: Oh yeah, I forgot. I forgot about that. the yeah. Grand National last
1: year. No, so it was a computer no. animated one. Potter's Corner won. He won the Midlands National. He won the Welsh National. So, um, he's quite, you know, he's a decent horse. He knows how to win nationals. He knows how to win at this length. He's part owned by Jonathan Davis, uh, and he's part owned by a racing syndicate as well that I bought my wife a little tiny percentage of, um, for her birthday. Uh, she's 50, so I won't say that out loud But uh, yeah, so she's got like to a zero... you have yeah, yeah, so she's got a 0.8% Ownership of Potter's Corner through, through a racing syndicate So again, there's a little bit of a You know thing about that there but I think if you're looking at a decent bet and you're looking at your 20 to 1 25 to 1 shots then Potter's corner because he's had experience of winning nationals before could be a decent shout. Uh the other race the other horse I mentioned was who was it I mentioned it was probably the yeah I'd say the favourite outside of the main favourite from a bookie's point of view. So you're looking at uh, Burrow Burroughs Saint like I said nine to one he's probably the second favourite but you can get nine to one eight to one nine to one ten to one on him. Former jockey, Ruby Walsh, uh, thought Burrow Saint had English national written all over him. Um, and he, after winning the Irish national uh, last year. So, you know, he's got experience. I was talking about, you know, Potters Connor winning the Midlands and Welsh national. Uh, Burrow Saint has won the Irish national um so he's got experience to win in nationals at this sort of race as well uh he was well fancied for last year's race before it was cancelled uh drying ground obviously the weather i think is looking at maybe a dry sort of run this year um i think they're trying to water entry at the moment but it's still looking quite dry so that should help Borough saint as well so i think yeah i mean while we are looking at you know, I think cloth cap being the favourite, and if you look at the odds, cloth cap I think is still the favourite out there. If you're looking at decent horses where the odds are, you know, ten to 1, 20 to one, then I would look at yeah, Burrow Saint or Potter's Corner as my two ones to possibly go for if you want a decent odds. If you're looking at just a the winner, then cloth cap's probably your horse.
0: There you go, and good, good luck, and may better luck to you uh, this week and. In- and sorry, that was a bad joke. Um, you did joke, that at the tail of the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, anything else? I can, <laughs> I can think of a few horse references, but I thought, nah. yeah, yeah, not, <laughs> yeah, I can, I can, I can say to you that joke was. Off air Um, and and stuff. If you want to listen back to it again, uh, you can download the podcast or you can email us. See Burroughs Saint uh, and Potter's Corner finishing dead last. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Email us, um, locker room at gmail.com. And we'll be back next Friday here on Indie Live Regos. Thanks for this one. Have a good weekend. Hope you win at the Grand National. I'm still, look- I'm still looking for my horse for about five years ago. Um, but uh, yeah, so we'll see in next week.